Oh, I've done your scooter. Thanks, Josh. Hey, Shem. Um, so I'm going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 1. If you guys have got um, a Bible at home or somewhere, uh, we're going to be reading Proverbs 1, verse uh, 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Alrighty, everyone. Well, it is great to be um, here online with you. And I am sorry that we're on Zoom. We'd hope to do have an in-person option this week, but uh, we ended up with most of our volunteers in isolation throughout the week um, this week. And then just now the last two nights, I've kind of had a bit of a fever. So unconfirmed as to what that might be, but I'm uh, not feeling 100%. And so we just thought it'd be best to come on Zoom tonight. Um, but there is a bit of an end in sight. Be really looking forward, I guess, to February when, you know, if all things go to plan, we'll be able to reopen back down in the high school. We'll be starting off our community groups for the year. Um, we're, we're most people are in new groups starting that off. We're going to be starting that with two nights all together, um, either on live stream or in the church building, uh, the first two Tuesday slash Wednesday nights in February. Um, it's a chance to kind of relaunch. We've got a vision series coming up. So January is feeling a bit locked down, even if it's kind of voluntarily, but um, there is really an end in sight. And so if you're new and joining us today, obviously we do wish that we could have been doing this in person and getting to know you, but that will come soon. So um, please join us in person once we open up. And, and like Josh said before, there's a, a Google form if you want to get in touch. And particularly if you just need help and prayer at the moment, um, if you have to isolate, if you get covid um, it's great to be part of a church when you're going through something like this. I even just loved last night having people to call up and compare symptoms with just to kind of get a bit of a, you know, amateur medical advice. Don't know if that was helpful or not, um, but uh, it's, it's great to have a community when you're, when you're locking down and, and that kind of thing. So, um, and yeah, we're going to get into Proverbs now. Um, I've abridged this a little bit because I am feeling a little bit crook. Maybe you're really stoked about that. We're going to be looking just at God's words and just reading over some of the verses um, that uh, were just read to us, as well as a few others, looking at this idea of wisdom. Um, and so if you've got a Bible um, in your room or in your living room, just not in your reach yet, maybe go grab it. The best place to have it open at the moment is Proverbs chapter one, but we'll be flicking to a couple of other places as well. Um, so feel free to grab a Bible. But right now, I'm just going to pray before we start looking at these verses together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that, um, yeah, just for the technology that allows us to meet um, and to do something as simple as reading your word at the same time as one another, even though we're in a whole bunch of different places. We just ask that you'd be speaking to us by your word. There might be some of these verses that are really what we need to hear right now. Um, and to help us, I guess, with our week or our year, to help us live lives that are pleasing to you, um, are faithful to you, and that we might know your love for us more and more. Um, amen. 
I don't know if it's ever been the case where where you've been in a in a situation where the task at hand was more complex than the skills that you had to bring to it. For me, that could be anything as simple as baking a cake, following a simple recipe, right? This fine, I managed to get something wrong, um, send it off the wrong way, add, you know, salt instead of sugar, and then spend the rest of the day just compensating that, just making the absolute mess of things. I think the biggest time I found myself in a situation where I was trying to do something that was just too complex was I'd, a few years ago, I tried to rebuild a motorcycle engine. Now, before you think, well, this guy's like a man's man. He knows what he's doing. Like, that's actually really impressive. Let me tell you, the bike never ran again. It was a pretty simple problem. I went on Google, found out how you meant to fix it, started pulling it apart. But every step of the way, I made things worse. I was losing screws. I was snapping little bits of wire, forgetting where things go. And I tried this every Saturday for a couple of months. Eventually, I just had to throw the whole thing out because I just did not have the skills to deal with it. it made me get a real appreciation for, for mechanics, for mechanics love what you do it's hard work today we're thinking about the particular skill you need to kind of navigate the most complex problem that there is which is the problem of living a life life is extraordinarily complex it's a complex web of decisions priorities op- options responsibilities and relationships and every single day we've got more opportunities than we're probably aware of to either just do something that will steer our lives towards being that little bit better a little bit easier or doing something to make it that little bit worse. And sometimes, some days or some weeks, you've even got the really big decisions in life that if you kind of make the right choice, you might be setting yourself on a path of making your life really amazingly better in some way. Or on the other side, there are just some decisions that you make that if you make them, will shipwreck your life altogether. Life is difficult. It is hard to navigate. And to navigate life, you need a particular skill that the Bible calls wisdom. And that's what we're looking at today. This series that we started last week, if you want to go and listen to the podcast, we're looking at at how we want to be growing as individuals and as a church this year, looking at the book of Proverbs. But we're not so much focusing on what we do, the kind of external things like exercising more or learning a language or reading books or something, but on who we are, who we're becoming and what sort of people are we deep down. These character traits that that the Bible kind of highlights as valuable and important. And we're doing this by looking at the book of Proverbs. And the character trait that in the book of Proverbs comes up probably more than any other is that of wisdom. And so we're just going to be looking a little bit at what Proverbs says about wisdom today. That is, what is wisdom? Like, how does it define it? What's it about? And then just a couple of ways, how can we go about getting wisdom, growing in people as people who are wise? Um, and so that's what we're working our way through today. And sometimes you come across a topic when you're like preaching that makes you kind of laugh about how unqualified you are to talk on it. I certainly don't feel like I'm coming at you guys as the wise person. I'm letting you into my personal secret on how to be a wise person. But right now we're looking to God, the giver of wisdom, who has given us these words that are actually just so profound, so deep. So we're going to be fellow learners of his words today. So firstly, what is wisdom? We're going to just firstly look at those um, first four verses again. So you've got your Proverbs chapter one open. This is what it says. Um, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So we see this is the very beginning of this 30-chapter book of Proverbs, and these first lines really just kind of lay out um, what this book is seeking to provide. And you see it in the very first line that it is for wisdom. 
It's for wisdom. Now, in order to kind of work with that, we need to have a bit of a working definition. So I'm going to borrow one from um, the pastor and author, Tim Keller, who describes wisdom as competence with regards to the complex realities of life. Com- competence with regards to the complex realities of life. It's a pretty nuanced idea in the book of Proverbs because it's not talking simply about knowledge. It's not the ability just to know stuff, have like a bank of kind of ideas or facts in your mind. It's not IQ or the ability to figure out, you know, just complicated math problems or rational problems. And the reason that is it's possible to know a lot, isn't it, and not be wise. People that are very well educated, people who are geniuses, people who are smart, find ways to muck up their lives all the time, don't they? You can be an educated, knowledgeable person and still make a real, just a lot of havoc in your personal relationships. Um, You might read a lot of books, but not be able to navigate a personal conflict. So it's not just knowledge, but it's also not just moral rules. The Bible has um, a lot of laws in it, particularly in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments being the most famous of these, that in a lot of ways kind of show you kind of how to navigate some of the key decisions in life. What is the right thing to do? What is the wrong thing to do? But at the end of the day, these laws only apply to a small fraction of life's decisions, don't they? So our moral law will tell you to not shoplift the Mars bar at the convenience store, but it won't tell you whether or not in that instance you should buy it. Moral laws will tell you not to commit adultery, but they won't tell you how to navigate attention in your marriage. Moral laws will tell you not to murder, but they're not going to help you kind of shape yourself necessarily into the kind of person that other people won't want to murder. It might be very possible to be a good person and not wise. It's possible, isn't it, to be a generous person and to want to give your money away, which is good, it is right, it is obedient to the law, but without wisdom, you might squander it, or you might be duped into a fraud, or you might try to help someone, but in Give them money that's actually going to enable something that's not helpful. Or a good person might really care for their friend and want to help them overcome an addiction, but without wisdom will say something silly and destroy the relationship. So wisdom, or the the Hebrew word is like hokmah, is more akin to skillfulness. It's the same word as like having a particular, like almost artistic skill. And the skill that an artist might have in in a painting or a musician might have in, in playing music. Wisdom is the skill of living well and living well in the complexity of life because life is very rarely simple. Very few of our choices are black and white. It's kind of clear that you you shouldn't go out and kill someone, but most of the decisions that we have, how do we spend our time? What do we say to a person that we need to, we feel like we need to say something to about something that's kind of um, uh, affecting us? Or, or, or even the big decisions in life, like what career should we pursue, where should we live, what relationships should we prioritise, don't have black and white answers. There's kind of options, normally like op, you know, multiple valid options, um, that we need to navigate. So that's why if you look in those first few verses of Proverbs, that wisdom is used really synonymously with this idea of prudence, which for, in my head is more like a, someone's grandma's name rather than something I think about in a daily daily kind of level to how to get prudence. But prudence means being able to kind of just weigh up and, and judge what is the, the best thing to do in any given moment. It's the ability to navigate the complex web of paths that make up our lives skillfully. So the wise person is someone who knows what is good and fitting, even in the gray areas of life. So that's what we want to be. That's what we want to kind of be moving towards. Um, yeah, it's good for us if that's the case. It's good for those around us if that's the case. And so then Proverbs is going to be concerned with helping us actually gain this wisdom. 
So if you look at verse seven of that initial opening, we've got this, these two lines that really, I think, are the key to unlocking the book of Proverbs. How do we get wisdom? Well, firstly, we have to start with God. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is the opening part of the book. It's, it's what we're going to read the rest of it in light of. And it says that the key to wisdom, the key to navigating the complexity of life, of living skillfully, is to have a fear of the Lord. The fear of Yahweh, which is God's personal name, which our Bibles you know, replace with the Lord. To fear this personal God, God himself. He's the beginning of knowledge. Again and again and again throughout the book of Proverbs, we will see this, this, this unbreakable link between wisdom and God himself. The fear of the Lord is the key to making right choices. And fear here, among other things, means reverence. It means a recognition of his power, his might, a right trembling before that, his centrality, his lordship, the fact that he is the creator and owner of everything, the fact that it is by his power everything is sustained, it is to recognize that there is a being in the universe, it's not just in the universe, but it's outside of it, who made it, who holds everything together, and we need to acknowledge his centrality in life. And there is no wisdom without him. To understand reality, to understand our lives and the lives that we live in, we need to right-size and right-place God. Without the fear of God, you're missing the central and most important and significant thing in the universe. That's the, that's the initial foundation, the key to having a wise life is to have God as your foundation. Now, this is a, like obviously a pretty you know, controversial statement. It wouldn't be a statement that most of our world would agree with. It goes counter to the claim that we can figure out lives by ourselves and we're kind of the master of our own destiny. But according to the Bible, knowing God as central is the key to making good decisions. It's the key to wisdom. It's as central as knowing the alphabet is to writing a book or knowing aerodynamics is to building an airplane. You can kind of skip the foundations and try to piece something together. But like, I feel like I could have a crack at building an airplane based on seeing a lot of them. I know it would have two wings, little baby wings at the back and a fin and a long bit in the middle. Like I can, you know, picture what it looks like, but I've got no idea how aerodynamics works. I don't know how to do the maths around like you know, thrust and lift and weight and the angles of the wings, all that kind of thing. I would have no chance of building a plane that could get in the air. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing in our world. We, we kind of have a bit of an idea of what a life should look like. And so we're going around trying to piece it together and build it up. But we're missing the thing that underpins everything, the kind of key to unlocking how it works. We're missing God himself. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are created by God and for God to glorify him, to worship him and enjoy him and to help others do this. That's the meaning of life. You know, like it's kind of this thing that, you know, working out the meaning of life is this unanswerable question. But the Bible gives you a very clear answer to it. The meaning of life is to glorify God. It's to worship him. It's to make him the middle of your life. And so when you go about life missing the ultimate meaning of it, things get messy. Fearing God also means acknowledging the fact that if there is a God who made us, there is also a way things are meant to work. There is, a, there is a way things are meant to be. And when you go outside of this, you get a mess. So we live in a world where people are trying to piece together a life, hoping they can make it work out with no regard to the creator. And you see the foolish choices that kind of come from this and the confusion. There's a certain wisdom that comes, for example, in stewarding the earth well. 
um, that turns to the foolishness of using the earth for short-term gain at the expense of its beauty and sustainability when you take God out of the picture. Because with God in the picture, you've got a creator who has mandated a stewardship of this place. But without God, we're left to our own devices. There is a wisdom in assuming that every single person is deserving of being treated well because they are made in the image of God. But when you lose this, you get the foolishness that is tied up in racism or classism or sexism, where people are treated as though not everyone has equal worth. You see the foolishness that is rife in our society as people collectively seek to manage sexuality. It's this powerful thing that's created with a purpose, but in our society, it's a confused mess. I don't know if you've been driving and had Triple J on. I think it's like once a week they get you know, a relationship expert on and people can call up and ask questions and the like. And it is just chaos. People call up asking the most ridiculous, for me, the most ridiculous things because there is this massive confusion around how relationships are to be conducted, how sex is supposed to work, and it is chaos out there. With God in the picture, there is wisdom. Or even think about just the decisions you've got to make. Um, forming you know, some idea of how you're going to use each season of your life to the fullest potential. On your own, that's a really hard thing to do because how do you know what you're meant to be doing with your life? How do you know what gives your life meaning? But with God in the picture, as him as your starting point, you're far more likely to navigate each season of your life well. So that's the first principle of gaining wisdom from the book of Proverbs, which is um, start with God, the fear of the Lord. But secondly, um, as well, that's, the, that's the kind of foundation, that's the, the bare bones, that's the starting point. But a lot of what Proverbs has to say about gaining wisdom is about the pursuit of it, that we have got actually some agency, some responsibility to be people who seek out wisdom. So if you flip your Bible over to, um, to chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs, we're going to read again the, the start of this chapter. Um, the, really the whole first nine chapters of Proverbs are concerned with this. How do you get wisdom? But um, let's just look at a bit here because it talks about what, what our role is in the pursuit of wisdom. So chapter 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So we're just looking over those verses again. What does it say to do? It says, well, if you want wisdom, you need to turn your ear to it in verse 2. It says you need to call out requesting it in verse 3. There's a desperation in that, isn't there? Crying out for understanding. Verse 4 says, um, we need to hunt it like treasure, scour the land for it, um, leave no stone unturned, dig for it. And then it says in verse 5, if you do this, if you look for it, you will find it because wisdom is a gift. God gives it in verse 6. It comes from his words. So the pursuit of wisdom is not a futile pursuit. It is one that, that ends with us getting wisdom. And so this is something we need to be doing, particularly in our culture, because it's not exactly like we're swimming in wisdom, are we? We tend to more likely just absorb the ideas and the ways of thinking of those around us. John Mark Comer, um, an American pastor, in his book, Live No Lies, which as an aside would be one of the, my top recommendations for a book to start your year with. Um, he talks in this book about 
ideas and, and our ways of thinking, how they inform us. But it says that the main thing that informs our ideas on any given day is simply what we surround ourselves with. We're more driven by those around us than we like to think. We're, we're, you know, we're imitators. We're herd animals. When someone yawns, what, what do you do unless you're a psychopath? You yawn. You kind of copy. That's just kind of how it works. You find this, even if you're not tired, you just imitate those around you. When everyone starts buying up a certain type of sneaker or jeans that fit a certain way, whether they're skinny or loose or low-rise or high-waist, we just tend to copy. We imitate. We can't explain why that's the right sort of jeans to wear in this particular year, but we do it. It's like scientifically shown that if you live in an area where there's lots of fast food restaurants and everyone around you eats fast food, you're more likely to eat fast food. If you live in an area where everyone does yoga and you can't even go out and get a coffee in the morning without seeing someone carrying a yoga mat or on their way to the gym or running past you, you're going to be motivated to imitate them. We have this desire to conform to what's around us. The problem for us is that we're surrounded by a lot of foolishness. There isn't a lot of wisdom in our culture. So unless we've got a, a stronger input, we will just conform. So we need to pursue wisdom. We need to be intentional, like as Proverbs says. We need to be turning our ear to wisdom, seeking it out and pursuing it, and asking God for it and receiving it. This is why having a daily habit of spending time with God is so, so important. And it feels a bit like reductionistic and cliche in a sermon just to say, well, you know, the point of this sermon is to read your Bible and pray more. But that is literally where wisdom is to be found, according to this proverb. To actually have a practice of asking God for wisdom. To, to cry out for it, as the, as the proverb says. To say, God, I'm going to see this person today and I've got something to say, but I don't know how to say it. Or I don't know what to best make use of my time today. I don't know what you've got before me. Or I don't know where I'm heading in life. God, can you show me? Can you give me wisdom? Can you give me direction? It's to ask God for wisdom in your everyday life. And that's prayer. That's asking God to be involved in your life. To say, I need this. I need wisdom. And then it's to listen. Because wisdom comes from the mouth of God. It's to actually fill your heart and your mind with God's words for you. To actually have them kind of so lodged in you that when, when life throws you a difficult situation, you've got something to go to. Some knowledge, some understanding of how God thinks. That you might actually know yourself the mind of God. It's a formative practice to be spending time with God in his words, to start having God's perspective. And so the beginning of a year is as good a time as any to kick start this habit. And really any time is a good time to kick start. If you didn't start on January 1, there's no worse, there's you know, nothing worse about it to start on, on January 9, which is today, or January 10, which is tomorrow, to spend time with God, to be seeking wisdom and receiving it as a gift from him. So the daily readings will start up again when we get back into Matthew. But even just now, you might want to read Proverbs. The, some parts of the Bible are easy to read, some are harder. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are in the kind of easier category because there's just so much just rich, obvious stuff to grab a hold of in these chapters. So you might want to start reading Proverbs over this week if you haven't done so already. But I just want to finish, though, by saying one final way that we can gain wisdom that we are really pointed towards in the book of Proverbs. And it's kind of a bit of a, it's, I'd say it's not directly said there, but it's kind of like it's illuminated that we see that the key to wisdom is knowing Jesus. I want to show you why I say this. In, in Proverbs chapter 8, um, you can open there if you want, but I'm going to read just a, a scattering of verses throughout it. Wisdom is personified as, as, a, as a person, as a woman who can be known intimately, who, who basically gives out an invitation to be known. And this is some of what this personified wisdom says. Um, 
Wisdom says, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there was no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. I just find it's a really interesting concept. It could just be obviously like, you know, a poetic device, just, you know, saying wisdom is so worth getting and has been with God since the beginning. But there is this, this idea that wisdom can be personal. Wisdom can be personally known. And a few thousand years after these problems were written, Jesus entered the world and he was one who claimed to have been with God in the very beginning. He claimed to be the one through whom and for whom all things were made. And he invited people to know him, to walk with him, to follow his way and find life. And Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, um, sees a link here. And a number of times, in a number of his letters, he calls Jesus the wisdom of God. And it's hard to imagine he doesn't have these verses in mind. Looking 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22, for example. Um, you don't have to flip there. You can afterwards if you want, or if you're fast, you can flip there. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. It says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Then he says in verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus called here the wisdom of God. So I was trying to just reflect on this week. Well, how is that? How is it the case that Jesus himself can be called the wisdom of God? Well, I think it's the case that in order to find life and to have life be good and to have it make sense, at the end of our day, if our hope is that we just make a series of perfect life choices, that's actually a really stressful and discouraging thing to think because we make mistakes all the time. You can probably think this week how you stuffed up at least five different things. I went to a wedding a couple of days ago and I probably had COVID. So that's that's kind of my example of me not doing something too wise in the moment. I didn't think I had COVID then, but look, who knows? Um, we can't depend on ourselves just to be wise all the time. That's, that's a crushing burden to, to have. But while pursuing wisdom is worthwhile, at the end of the day, Paul says that the wisdom of God is Christ crucified. That God's wisdom is manifest in Jesus coming and being crucified in our place so that even though we might fail, it says in verse 30 that we can have his righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That the key to finding life isn't getting perfect wisdom ourselves, but it's knowing Jesus and accepting his call to experience his grace, to follow him and to do life with him. And that's good news. It's good news that we don't have to aim for perfection in ourselves, but we can go into this year just with the, the humble intention of knowing Jesus more, seeking to trust in him for what he's done for us and to walk with him as best we can. So I want to encourage you guys as we go into this year and as we keep thinking the book of Proverbs even for the next uh, three weeks after this, to be people who pursue wisdom, to fear God and just maybe take a reflection as to whether or not your life is really centered on him at the moment or is he somewhere else off in the periphery. 
to think about what it would look like to, to build the pursuit of wisdom into your days. And again, it's January, it's a bit more quiet to take some time just to actually have an extended time of, of just realigning yourself with God, praying to him, seeking wisdom and reading Proverbs, I think would be a great way to start. Similar to the encouragement I gave last week. If you did it last week, do it again this week. And then just to follow Jesus and trust Jesus and rejoice in Jesus that God's wisdom is in flesh, that in him we have redemption, forgiveness, and life to the full. I'm going to pray now. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, for your words and just the way they point us to Jesus. And we just want to ask that you would be giving us a sense uh, of your, your closeness and presence and just be making us into people who are wise, helping us be people who seek you out um, and seek out wisdom, that we might be able to navigate this life in a way that is good for us and just in living in light of reality, but also that we might be people who are just a blessing to those around us by being able to be helpful and useful in this world. And Lord, we just pray that we would know Jesus more through this, that we wouldn't just want to be wise or clever for our own sake, but that we would want to be a people who are just linked to Jesus, knowing him and what he's done for us. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.